welcome to the Ready Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today we're joined by, you can't see him down there, um, Alan Smithson, who is hey everybody. the co-founder of Metaverse. Hey, Hello. Alan, how you doing? Oh, so good, guys. <laughs> Lovely trip. I figured I'd make that dumb face that all the, the, the stock photography has, <laughs> with their yeah, hands in front of You've done well. We'll sell a few uh, of those photos, take some snapshots. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, thanks, thanks for joining us all the way from Canada. It's about nine AM in Melbourne time, but I think it's about five PM your time, and yep. it's beer o'clock from what I see. Cheers, beer o'clock. <laughs> Metaverse, um, obviously, co-founder of Metaverse, also run podcasts um, yourself in terms of XR space. So, love to hear a little bit about your background and story before we jump into the business of Metaverse. Yeah, it seems like we, uh, so in 2016, we called the company Metaverse and it was one of those things that it just was cool. We're like, oh, we'll spell it M-E-T-A-V-R-S-E and it'll be great. And, you know, ready, you know, a kind of a nod to snow crash and, you know, we're getting ready for the, the future. And I mean, five years later, we now have the word Metaverse as like the future of the internet. So nobody really saw that one. I didn't see that one coming. That's pretty awesome. But uh but how I got here is a is a very interesting story, in my opinion. I you know I graduated university with a degree in molecular biology, and uh, I started DJing uh, on weekends and like parties and stuff like that. And I started a little DJ business on the side, and then I graduated, I got a job as a pharmaceutical rep. I was doing that, and I was always DJing on the weekends. And uh, and I and I was like, okay, well, there's got to be more to this, you know, this working thing, right? So I, I was really good at pharmaceutical sales, and then. I, uh, and then I quit to start my own business and I started a medical billing company. I saw an opportunity there, did that. Um, and then we, that was like really not tech focused. That was like pen and paper kind of thing. It was terrible. Um, and then, uh, I started a nutraceutical business after reading the four hour work week, which was, I don't recommend that. I, right. Read the book, but don't do that. Um, and it's a good book. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a great book. It'll save you like, it'll save you maybe four hours a week. Instead of being, you know, yes. because the goal is to work only four hours a week. I think if you use the tools, it'll save you four hours a week. But anyway, uh, I digress. I, I literally uh, have done so many different things. Um, I had a nutraceutical company. We, we had a real estate holding company. We rented, uh, you know, apartments out to students in, in my uh, university hometown. And, um, and then we owned a hostel. We had a, like a hostel, a traveler's hostel up at a ski resort called Blue Mountain here. So we had a 32 bed hostel and every week we're up there skiing and snowboarding. And, uh, and then I, you know, the DJing stuff was always kind of in the background. And then in 2010, um, we, we invented this technology. I saw a YouTube video. I was like, that's really cool. It was a touchscreen technology for the DJ industry. And, um, yeah, we got involved and, uh, we invested in it and we brought it to market and uh, we launched it at a TEDx talk in Toronto in 2010. And you got to imagine this is a giant see-through touchscreen board, glass see-through board in 2010 before the iPad. Very so early. it was like way ahead of its time. And we worked with, you know, Lincoln Park and Infected Mushroom and Morgan Page and uh, Jay Frog from Scooter and oh, just cool. a bunch of amazing artists. Um, and most recently, actually in January this year, uh, 2021, 2020, 2021, uh, Jean-Michel Jarre played his, his uh, really amazing um, future-focused uh, concert at the Notre Dame Cathedral, they, they 3D mapped the entire cathedral and then they overlaid digital uh, effects all over it. And so if you haven't looked out, look Jean-Michel Jarre, New Year's Eve, it's oh, wow. incredible. And the emulator 
is on his right hand side. He's actually playing live on the emulator in a virtual world. It was super cool. Um, so got into that. That's how we got into tech. And then I was invited to perform at Curiosity Camp with a gentleman named Eric Schmidt. Um, you know, he, he ran a very small startup called Google for a bit. Um, but yeah, he has this Personal. camp. Yeah, you know, it was a small startup. Yeah, they may or may not. Oh, was that right? Yeah. It was actually started in uh, in the garage of um, the Wajiki family. And, and Esther is actually one of my friends now and, and mentors. And uh, it's just, it really is a small world, this whole you know technology world. So I got invited to this Curiosity Camp to perform on the emulator and I was playing and I finished my set and they said, hey, come and try this this tent thing. And I was there with a guy named Robert Scoble and a couple other people and I was in this dark tent and the, the guy, you know, he handed me this headset and it wasn't like this. This is like slick and, you know, it had like giant row of cables coming out the back. It was probably double the size. It was a big, huge box. It was like more like that sticking that on your forehead it was huge yeah, huge headphones and i was like whoa what is this contraption here but when i put it on all that was gone it was just me standing in the crowd looking down at a concert and i was like whoa mm -hmm. this is really cool like okay this is great i feel like i'm right there and the sound was great and then somebody pushed my shoulder and they just turned me on a swivel chair and i looked and i was like oh my god i can look anywhere like can imagine like our whole world, our whole lives, we've been looking at a rectangle. And now all of a sudden I was inside looking anywhere I wanted to. And it was at that moment, I was like, oh my God, this is magic. And then they pressed a button and it switched the camera angle. Now I was standing on stage next to Beth. And I was like, oh my God, this is, and, and being a performer for 20 years of my life, I was like, well, it's very rare for the actual average person to be able to stand on stage and look out to the crowd. And that's something that you know, I always love that feeling, you know, in your crowd and you, you hit the right song at the right time and all the hands go up and you're just like, yeah. And to be able to share that with somebody in a VR headset and I was like, what is this? And I, then of course I started learning about it. But it was that moment where I realized like, this is something special. This is not, this is not a, you know, a, a new type of app for a phone or something like this is a truly transformative technology. And, and I, you know, I guess obviously Mark Zuckerberg, tried it uh, shortly thereafter or maybe even i guess before and uh and bought oculus um you know for three billion dollars it was two billion plus 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 so you know that's how i got involved in this and then uh, immediately after that i started uh, what became metaverse it was called shock creative at the time and we were just building experiences for uh for brands and we we started off in the event side of things because that's what we knew right i was dj i knew the events people so i said hey why don't we bring vr to your events and so we had the first Vive, uh, I guess it was the Vive, HTC Vive. I mean, it was the very, very beginning one. It was the first one in Canada we had. And so we would cool. we would go to events and we had like VR. Nobody had VR. Nobody. And then, of course, like maybe a year after that, they introduced the VR where you could slide yep. your phone into it. And we had, I mean, dozens of those things because you, you could bring it to an event. The only problem is all the phones used to overheat like crazy. So we used to have, um, we'd go to an event with like, you know, 30 headsets. We'd have them all lined up and we'd have 30 extra phones sitting on ice packs charging. So you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> literally frozen phones charging on ice packs. And then you'd swap them out as they died, right? As they got overheated and died. And that was, that was back a minute ago. And so we were building and then we said, okay, well, let's build some content. So we started filming 360 videos because that's what we knew. And then we built our own video, like our own cameras. We 3D printed the rigs. And that was a time where you had to stitch every camera angle. So if you had a, I think I just had seven cameras in it. 
but you can imagine those seven cameras all have a different perspective and somewhere there's a seam in between the overlap of the two lenses. Well, that was all done manually. Literally somebody oh, well. had to go and stitch it and kind of like feather out the, the seams and oh my God, it's like it was bonkers. A minute of footage was like $10,000 to stitch together. So we filmed like the, the Much Music Video Awards and we filmed Pride and then we filmed um, the, the Groove Cruise and a couple other things. And I mean, it was just, it was a battle to, to make it all work. And then we actually bought um, from Korea uh, the, the first Samsung Gear cameras, the 360 cameras. It looked like an eyeball. It was a round camera with two eyes on the outside. And we ordered them. They were 500 bucks. They were cheap, like cheap considerably. Like we were putting seven GoPros in a rig. So, I mean, cheap comparatively. And we got it from Korea. And I remember we got it. We were the first in North America to have them. And we went out and did a test shot. And we threw it in VR. And I was like, guys, this is this changes everything. Like, just order a dozen of them because you know the GoPros would fail, or you know the battery would die in the middle of the shot. And they're like, you have seven cameras to take care of. This was one, and it stitched on my phone. There was no post editing, no nothing. You just hit go. It was stitched. You sent it, and now you could edit it in post. It was like revolutionary. Just, just works. But it was also, it just was like. Yes. Okay. So we bought a whole bunch of those cameras, like, I don't know, 25 of them. And we just sent them everywhere. It's like, here, here's a stick. Here's a camera. Here's how it works. Press the button, film as much as you can. And so we collected a huge amount of, uh, of 360 footage and we started building a library of it. And, and we were actually featured in, you know, Samsung store and stuff like this. Um, but what we also did was we pitched Samsung on the idea of imagine the ball, right? But imagine a giant one that you could walk into in Times Square. And then get your photo taken by this camera in a green screen sphere and Photoshop yourself into underwater or in space or wherever and see yourself in VR immediately. So we pitched the VR photo booth to Samsung and they bought it and we, we built it. It was incredible. It, it ended up not being a sphere. The first one we did was a sphere and it was, it was just too big. And to be honest, it was like 20 feet across. It was massive. So we ended up making a cube. It was 10 by 10 by 10 green screen on the inside. And we had to make, we had to fabricate a custom light post that went in the middle. So the camera sat on the top and this, this was like a, a custom light post in the middle that we made. And we actually, we were going to patent it. Anyway, long story. So we had this light post in the middle, the camera in the middle, and you could go in and, you know, stand with your friends. We'd go three, two, one, click. And then you could instantly go outside. We hit a button and it would put, it would post it to a VR headset and you could try it in the Gear VR headset. So it was beautiful. And we, we sold them to Samsung and they launched one in New York and one in LA. Um, and then that was super successful and a, an amazing time there. And then we started building like content and we just did anything and everything as long as it had to do with VR, 360, 3D, uh, all of this. And so over the last, I guess since we started, like call it six years ago, um, we've done well over 120 um, projects now. And so we're well over 120 projects. We've done everything from AR. We did the first web AR, uh, commercial web AR project in the world. We've done eight world firsts. Um, we did the first commercial um, uh, augmented reality sandbox. That was super cool. We used Kinect cameras and projectors to shine down on a sandbox. And then it was it was some code from, from one of the universities. And as you dug, as you changed the topography of the sand, the projection would change. So it would like, you dug a hole and it would fill in with water and the mountains would get bigger and they'd be yellow and they were just like bonkers. So we sent that on tour and they, that actually went on tour to, to over a million people. Um, 
They were going through, so many people went through it. They were going through a 50 pound bag of sand a week because it wasn't regular sand. It was the, you know, that kind of cool space sand that they have okay. there. No, it sticks together. Yeah, yeah that's what it's together. A 50-pound bag of that a week <laughs> to, to refill it because people were it just gets lost know, in losing the it, whatever. Um, yeah, it was, it was a crazy time. So we, we were building hardware. We were building software. We just built all these different things. And really what it came down to, I was just looking at the whole industry of where are the opportunities? Where are the weaknesses? Where's the biggest challenge in this industry? And one of the things that came because we started building like AR apps as well. So we built um, the launch app for uh, HBO Westworld. Uh, we built the launch app for, for Bell and, and HBO for that. And in building all these things, we started doing 3D and, and, and we realized that there was a couple challenges. One, there was no way to have like a digital asset management system for 3D content at the time. There's a few out there now, Ventana, and there's some other ones now. But imagine like companies were spending millions of dollars just to store and have access to their 2D assets, like photos, images, logos, these things, like color schemes, so that one brand, if it's a global brand, could have access. Everybody would have the same images, same photos, right? But 3D didn't, didn't have this. So I thought, okay, well, that's a problem we can solve. We started working on it. Then the other major problem that we kind of came, came up against was building this content was crazy expensive and there was only a few people in the world that know how to do it and so you know we were developing most of our stuff on unity some in unreal um and i was like man this is really and in, and i tried to learn it myself and i was like this is way over my head this stuff and so the biggest challenge that i saw was content management uh, at scale for enterprise and also the content creation there was no easy way to create the content and so we, we set out to, to find an organization or, or create it. So we started working on the, on the content management side. And then we said, well, we need a content creation platform and it needs to be on the web because everybody, every customer was saying, does it need an app? Can we get rid of the app? We need it on the web. That's why we did the web AR project. Now, back in 2016, 17, web AR wasn't a thing. I mean, it just wasn't. And, and no, you were very early, weren't you? Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, we found this code from yeah. MIT and you had to have a box around your logo or whatever. And we had a box around it and you could shine your phone at it on the web. It would use the camera, find it and be able to project AR on it. It was janky AF, um, but it, it worked and we got it done and we delivered the project for the client. And then my team said afterwards, you know, if you ever sell that again, we're cool, we all quit. Cause it was <laughs> so hard to do. Yeah, so really <laughs> gonna, we're gonna walk out, forget it. Don't ever sell it again. So that was WebAR in 2016. And in doing all that, we realized that it has to be web and it has to be easy to use. And it has to, you know, hopefully not require code because, you know, if it requires code, then it's going to eliminate a ton of creators. And so we started a, an accelerator back in, I want to say 2018, called XR Ignite. We brought together 65 mentors from all around the world, some of the top people in XR. And uh, we had this advisory board. We, we had 160 companies apply for the, the, um, for the accelerator and we ended up acquiring one and the, the acquisition didn't go through. And so we were introduced at that exact same time where we were doing the accelerator, we we're doing all these things. We were introduced to some people here in Toronto uh, who literally live five minutes from our house here. And they're like, oh, here, check out what we're doing. And they showed us what they were doing. And it was like, holy crap. It was the most beautiful Mercedes-Benz 3D model I'd ever seen. Like I could zoom right in. It was beautiful. And, you know, it was one of those things where I kind of had this aha moment. I was like, this is amazing. And then I said to them, oh, you know, you know, how long did it take you guys to build that on Unity? 
and they they said no, it's not built on Unity. It's built on our own our own proprietary technology. Like, oh, yeah, whatever. Mm. Like, you know, it's a plug-in for mm. Unity. Okay. And really, you know, the the interesting thing is it wasn't. And you know, I'm sharing my screen now. Hopefully, you guys can yeah. see it. But here's that same Mercedes Benz. <laughs> you know, it still stands the test of time. That was you know three mm -hmm. years ago, and it still stands the test of time. It still looks beautiful. You know, it's when I saw that, and the fact that it's running on a web browser is yeah. insane. Yeah, exactly. It like, is insane. It will run on any device, on any browser. Mm -hmm. You know, you can. Yeah, that's really amazing. Nuts. So, you know, yeah, you can see real time reflections. Because normally, yeah, the, the detail, the number of polygons in the model will just kill the browser. <laughs> we'll just smash this. You won't be able to exactly. run. Yeah. So, and this will run on an on a iPhone, it'll run on anything. Yeah. Because you have the Crazy, text right? got into so, the point where it can run anywhere. So that's some. Yeah, hold on. I got to figure out how to stop sharing. There we go. Yeah, so so I saw that and I was like, okay, this is amazing. And then they were able to trigger AR with no loss of functionality over the web. And I was like, oh man, this is, okay, what the hell is this magic, right? So we ended up, we, we worked together for almost nine months and be, be really closely. We were trying to figure out how do we license their technology and this and that. We were, we've, Finally, we came to the conclusion. We're like, okay, screw all this. We'll just put the two companies together. You guys have an have a you know an engine, uh, like a quartz rendering technology that renders millions of polygons on a mobile browser. We've got a brand that we've built in customers. We put the two together and we launched the Metaverse engine in June last year. And so we launched it uh, right in the middle of a pandemic. Sorry, <laughs> I was like, yeah. but it actually worked out better for us because. It was something you could show, like you just saw it there. It was very, very showable on screen, mm -hmm. right? So you could pitch it mm -hmm. in Zoom. So we did, oh man, since June of 2020, we've probably done over 2,000, maybe maybe 2,500 meetings with well. customers. And uh, yeah, well. and that really gave us a couple of things. It, it gave us customers and money and, and revenue, but it also gave us a really, really great insight into what enterprise customers need and want in a product like this. They love the idea that they could do it themselves, that it was no code, that it was on the web, but then they were saying, oh, well, that's great, but why, you know, we want to host it ourselves and we want it completely white labeled and we want this security feature and we want this and we want this and we want this. And so we kind of took a step back and we're like, oh crap. Like we didn't build it for that. We, we, you know, we built it for, for scale, but not, all of these extra things that these people wanted. And so in working with kind of some of our bigger clients, we realized that, okay, we need to re-architect the infrastructure behind this. And so uh, almost exactly a year ago, it was in November last year, we decided to rebuild the system, take the, the core rendering technology out, put it in version two and build the new version around it. And so we started in January, we built a team around it and the team is it's up to 15 people now and it's working full-time just on building 2.0. In the process of building 2.0, we onboarded a ton of clients. We built virtual stores. We've been doing uh, 3D training for a huge medical company. We do all their training now in, in 3D. We've been doing uh, Samsung's training for their uh, for their new models and their, their new devices. And so we've been onboarding customers using our platform to serve them and building 2.0 at the same time. So we literally like... We're, we're now hosting so, two completely separate code bases. We got 1.0, which is serving the customers now, and 2.0, which is about to be released in kind of in 2022. And they both have the exact same features because we're, we're battle testing them in this one and putting them in this one, and they have to be backwards compatible. 
So of course, why? There's plenty of challenges there. We <laughs> got this right. So yes. luckily, our product yeah. team is you know world class, mm -hmm. and you know our, our the founding team on the on the Cherry 3D side, the, the guys that came over to join us. I mean, these guys have been working tirelessly to make sure that this this you know rebuild gets done. But some of the new features in the rebuild are are like mind blowing. Uh, you know, you're going to be able to create in the editor on the web with your friends simultaneously. That's the collaborative editing. It's nice. It's a collaborative creation. An enormous yes. amount of time yeah. for designers, mm -hmm. for, for 3D artists. It's going to save time because, you know, you'll do something, you send it to the client, the client will go through it, they'll make little notes, they'll take screenshots, put it in a thing, circle, circle, circle. We actually built a tool in so you can actually just annotate uh, from the 3D world now and it'll save it in a, in a repository and, and the, the developers can do that. So we actually fixed that problem. But then we're like, well, what if we just get the, the people into the thing real time and let them do it? So now we're going to be able to do bring our customers in, show them real time and say, oh, change this. Done. Go ahead and change it. Change this. Oh, done. Go change this. It's going to save probably 10 times the back and forth with, with clients. Just makes the so we're really excited delivery accelerate. And then we just announced a partnership last week with Hedera, which is a new environmentally friendly blockchain. Um, it's kind of like Ethereum. They've actually done more transactions than Ethereum, but it's way faster. It's newer technology and it uses proof of stake instead of proof of work, which for the geeks out there will know what that is. But for everybody else, it means we don't need to use computing power to authenticate the block, meaning now it has no environmental impacts at all, zero. Like, and there's no gas fees and all that crap as well. So now we've got an enterprise-friendly blockchain that is fully scalable along with our enterprise-ready game engine so that's that was a lot i'm sorry i took over. yeah that, alan well, we can cut it there you've told us everything <laughs> there's plenty in that so it's been a big journey clearly um it has been I'm, I'm that, that was the gold notes of yeah. six years of my life yeah <laughs> sounds like it's been running at a thousand miles an hour it um, feels like it's non-stop yeah. guys like people yeah. said you know yeah. i have a lot of people message me do you ever sleep and i, I thought about it. i'm like i do but yeah. When I'm not sleeping, I'm here with you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're probably dreaming what you're doing, right? I so. dreamt last night, so I, I got to tell you something. You, you actually inspired something. So last night, I got to see our new. We we built a mall. It's coming out. I announced it a couple of weeks ago. We're building the Mall of Metaverse. I, we don't know what the name is. If anybody has a great name for it, let me know. Um, we're still figuring that out. But the mall will be not only a mall, but a meeting place. Kind of like you can just go. You can socialize. It's all web based, so you can go from any device anywhere in the world. Go buy things, socialize. So the first two floors are a mall. Everything else after that could be anything. It could be a games, could be whatever. But the idea is people will come on great and they'll have avatars and walk around. So last night I got to see the first, you know, the first uh, take of this mall and it was absolutely incredible. It looks like, it looks and feels like you're in a mall. And then you go into each store. I, I won't ruin it for everybody, but it's super cool and it's coming out in, in Q1 next year. So you'll see it. But I dreamt of it last night. I woke up I woke myself up and I'm dreaming about this mall <laughs> and what else we could put in it because I'm like, okay, it's cool that it stores, but I want to put art and I want to put music and I want to put live bands and I'm like, why not? It should be the meeting. You can put, it, you can put whatever you like in there, right? There's no limit. That's the whole point. It's, and once creators yeah. figure out how to, how to do it, right? It, mm -hmm. The fact that we built mm -hmm. our, our, our actual engine to be low code, now people can, any, anybody can build and then tack on. And it's, it's not like low code, meaning... Oh, you know, it's very, you know, very uh, within the rails. I mean, you can code. It's fully JavaScript enabled. You can get buck wild on there. You can connect your back end to your order management system. You can connect 
your front end so that if I touch, if I have a hardware thing and it, it affects the 3D, like you can get crazy. But, you know, 90% of the things you need to do is all drag and drop. So it saves so mm. much time. It's all about speed. So the, I'm, I'm imagining the mall is all about um, creating a 3D environment where people shop. So seeing some samples of your stuff on on the web where you can walk around, yeah. effectively look at products and I'm imagining that's where that's all going. So what's the plan? Are we renting out spaces in the mall to organizations? What are we doing? Yeah, we, we doing really are. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah, we're, we're so, just in the process. So starting in January, we'll be selling okay. the mall. So it just becomes another sales yeah. channel yeah, effectively really. for them too. And then the show, like the big showy exactly. tech piece to then show off and show how innovative they are. Mm -hmm. oh, awesome. Well, and it's also, it's going to be pretty damn cool. Like I'll show you a, a quick snippet of what I'm talking about here. It's um, yeah, where all this space is going. It's amazing. It's, it's probably, this is our first one. So this is the first one we made. Can yeah, you guys see what it's I'm one on the web? Yeah, you can go check it out on the website, just metaverse.com. Yeah, yeah so this one here, I mean, we make this one available publicly, um, but you can look around. I can go around. Now, you can't walk in this one because this is before we had physics installed, but any object you press in here. So if I press this gray jacket, I fly over the gray jacket. I can look at it from any angle. I can zoom out, zoom in. I can look around, go to the red jacket. That's pretty cool. Change its colors, you know. Learn more yeah, about it. Be awesome stuff. Is it three D photos? Is that how they're created? Uh, so three D photos because the objects are so they look real. Yeah, it depends. I just don't so feel this, like they come out of a game engine. This yeah. shoe actually looks like it might have been done through photogrammetry, uh, meaning they take a bunch of photos mm -hmm. and stitch them together. I'm not sure to be honest. Yeah, it's, I okay. can't remember if the shoe was done through photo. Yeah, it's yeah. probably photogrammetry. But mm -hmm. this uh, this camera is actually three D modeled. Mm -hmm. So it's actually not through photogrammetry. Yeah. So there's there's about there's seven different ways to create three D assets. Um, this one obviously has some animations and stuff in it. And a lot of these large companies like the you Panasonic, they would end up having these models made for their products. So they should just be able to reuse them. Well, they everybody's got CAD models. Yeah. If you manufacture something, you build you have it CAD from models, there. right? So, and that's another benefit for the 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 business coming on board as well. They'll already have the base of the assets to use. It's not like they're investing from scratch again either. Exactly. And one of the things that we've been telling everybody is, um, is uh, you know, most companies that manufacture a product have the 3D models. Now, the marketing team or the training team, because we focus kind of on two verticals, marketing and training. We don't do engineering and that sort of thing. It's, we're more of the pretty, you know, create value through pretty picture, pretty interactions. But the cool thing about marketing and training is that once you have the 3D assets created for those, let's say you take them from your CAD model, you convert them, and now they're ready for, for marketing, let's say. Marketing uses them for the mall. Well, you can take the same animation, same things that you're doing, and bring it over and put it in your training department and now train your teams. It turns out training and marketing are very similar. You're either marketing the features of a product to somebody or training them on how, how to... And how to it, sell it. Not much difference, it. is there? So maybe a little bit more detail on the uh, training Different side, verbiage, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's a little yeah. bit different verbiage. And, and maybe it's more detail in the training. Like, we do some medical, oh, oh my God. We talk about taking on the most hard, difficult thing you could possibly do in 3D. We do medical device training. And, like, it is detailed down to, like, which screw you have to take out to, you know, to get... To get yeah. it open, you know, like every screw, nut bolt, you know, which plug you have to unplug to get inside. I'll, I'll show you um, here. This is an example. This is not the one we do for the client because we can't show that one. But 
it's a good example of what if you're listening to the audio so just jumping onto the youtube channel and just having a look at a couple of these little snippets that ellen's sharing yeah 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 what i'm looking at now is an ultrasound machine in 3d and i can turn it all the way around look at bottom top every angle of it and i can zoom right into all the buttons now maybe i want to train somebody on the controls of it right so now the control features pop up i can click the control and now you can see you know i can see what that does right it's all spatial as well and the amount of time and dollars this saves in terms of training so much you're training thousands of people um, you don't have, to have that one-on-one, one-on-ten interaction with someone that actually knows the machine. It's all done once, and then everyone has access. It's yeah. It's literally one. ten to fifty times improvement. X. Time, ten yeah, I can imagine X. the amount of scale that you can do when you got a new product. So, yeah, you're not having. And of course, yeah, once you make the animations for training, you take mm. the same thing, take take the verbiage, change it to marketing, and now you got something for your website for yeah. your clients. Just take away yeah. the detail of and being know, able to inside. distribute that to the masses yeah. or leave it easily. Let your clients explore, right? So that's why we actually went after the two verticals. It's not because we're crazy. It's because mm-hmm. you could take one that yeah. was already built and put it over to the other for, for no additional cost or very little additional mm-hmm. cost. So, you know, we're all about creating value for our customers. Your story is um, quite intriguing. Coming from a non-tech background, understanding or looking at tech along the journey and seeing how you can do things with it. Um, where does that come from? Is that just the creative mind? Being a DJ, the obviously got that creative mindset within you. Uh, do you think it's that creative aspect of yourself that's enabled to get there? Or what is it? what is it about you? You know what it is for me? I'm not the most creative person. I've tried to build things. I, I'm kind of, mm-hmm. I'm not very good at, but... Yeah. What I really love and what kind of gets me out of bed is how do I create uh, a tool for those creative people to do something? And, and where I really got the bug for this was with Emulator. And Emulator, um, for those of you who don't know, was uh, the world's most advanced DJ performance system. It was a giant piece of glass um, that you could DJ on and you could create. So when we first launched it, it was just um, it, it was just a DJ system. You, you, you couldn't edit it. You couldn't do anything. And then what we did was we opened it up. And if you're seeing this now, what you're seeing is, you know, the, the full editable version. So you could create it to do anything you wanted. It could be a MIDI controller for, for audio. It could be a controller for lighting. It could be a controller for video. It doesn't matter. And so what we did was we created a platform that allowed artists to create whatever it is they wanted to see on it. And one of the coolest things ever was when um, uh, Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park had oh, one. And I remember meeting him uh, at NAMM, the, the music show every year. And he shows up and he had the, the emulator there. And he goes, here, check it out. And so he opens it up. And it was just like a bunch of uh, uh, like octagons, a bunch of them, different colors in like a pattern. And it didn't look like anything, just like a pattern of, of octagons. And I was like, okay, well, what is it? And he goes, well, what do you mean? It's a piano. And I was like, it doesn't look like a piano at all. Like, and so we started playing it, like touching all the buttons, and, uh, and he was playing it like a piano. And that was when I was like, oh God, this is, this is you know amazing. And I think that's where I really got the bug with seeing like Jean-Michel Jarre take our emulator and perform on stage in a virtual concert at New Year's Eve. Seeing artists and what they do with the tools really is what gets me jazzed because mm-hmm. I'm not the creative guy. I'm, I'm that tool guy. Here's the tools. If I can use them, anybody can use them. I'm not the creative mm-hmm. guy. That's fine. At least I can use them. I can make something. 
but in the hands of creators, then this gets crazy. So metaverse, we think, and, and actually our mission is pretty simple. It's metaverse creation for everyone. So everybody should be able to participate in the creation of the metaverse for web three or the future of the internet or whatever, very similar to like Canva enabled everybody to be a, you know, a Photoshop wizard. We should, we're allowing everybody to be a creator. So that's a, that's it's a pretty exciting direction. what you're working on. And um, yeah, it is. I'd, I think um, I challenge you a little bit. You can be creative in many different areas, but what you're doing is bringing things together and um, pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Um, and that's where I think um, you're adding huge value and then the creators pick it up and do what they choose with it. Uh, but yeah, there's someone has to bring what it all do together. With it is, that's, that's when it gets yes. spicy. Yeah, you know, when you're like, whoa, <laughs> you just solved a world problem using a platform yes. that we built. Wow, that's yeah. when yeah. I think for me, it's going to be it's going to be amazing when the first because we, we aren't really promoting the, the software as, as much as we, we could. We, you know, we just we held back a bit because two, version two is coming out. We didn't want to train everybody on version one and then retrain everybody. Mm -hmm. So when version two comes out, you know, I just, we're going to do a creator fund and all these things. But the really interesting thing is when, when rubber hits the road and people start creating stuff, when it starts to create value, like when we, when we landed the, the medical device client and we started really creating like tens of millions of dollars in value to them to save money in training. Think about that at scale, we're, we're going to be creating billions of dollars, not we, but the, the people creating on our platform, they'd be able to create billions of dollars in value for enterprises. Like billions. I'm not saying Jeez. our company's going to sell billions. I'm saying the underpinning technology is going to be able to create so much value. We're able as a small agency, you know, with a tool to create millions and tens of millions of dollars in value to a client right now, clients. Mm -hmm. Imagine when the world can, can do this. Can't even so picture we have the direction of what they can come up with. This is why we didn't want to yes. pigeonhole ourselves uh, into you know, one specific vertical because look, yes, we could focus hundred percent of our efforts on medical device training and we could be a multi-million dollar company. We're already a multi-million dollar company. Like we could be a probably a billion dollar company doing medical device training, but what about consumer electronic marketing? What about the virtual mall? What about you can build your entire business on our engine? Like people are building, you know, solutions on unity or unreal. We're like a game engine, but we're on the web. So, yep. Phenomenal. Yeah. In terms of um, the name Metaverse, obviously there's been big in, in the in the news right now with Facebook um, and their, their core brand will be, being Meta and changing to that. So what has that meant for your brand? What has that done? Obviously you've built a brand yourself, but has that had an impact on the business itself in terms of what you're doing and put a bit of a spotlight in terms of what you're up to? Um, it's yet to be determined really. I mean, we just get up and go to work every day like we did before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it hasn't made us hella rich or anything. Um, that's not the that's not the point anyway. The point is that yes, it shone a giant spotlight, and now in the last ninety days, and I don't know that this was the, the reports from maybe three weeks ago. We did a report, and in the previous ninety days, there was three hundred and nineteen thousand articles that had mentioned the word metaverse. Like it's a bit of a blow up. <laughs> yeah. yes. I can't go on my email without seeing the word metaverse. Like, in fact, mm. try to go one hour and every time you see the word metaverse or hear it, do a shot and see if you live. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you'd get very far in that Google search. So 
it's been good for our brand, but I almost feel like, okay, now it's a little, little much. Let's just kind of get back to work for everybody. And it's kind of like we're in the, we're in peak NFT hype right now. So I saw a thing yesterday and this is what made me really think, oh my God, we're at the peak of NFT crazy. You know, there was an NFT generator and you typed in, uh, you type in what you wanted, you put some images in and it would literally generate you 10,000 unique JPEGs that you could then put as an NFT. Yeah, there's plenty of these that exist, yes. Like, <laughs> That's another thing, giving creators the ability to do whatever they like, but yes. I get it, but do we need another 10,000 JPEGs of almost the same thing? Like, Everyone's just where, trying to make where, a, yeah, a buck in The market's insane. But yes. With the, the yeah, use of the word metaverse over the last 90 days or four months since that announcement, everyone's perception of it is probably a little bit different as well than what your perception of it is yeah. and what Facebook's is trying to push. A lot of people, I think, in the crypto space as well, they're just trying to push a 3D world where there's not much to it beyond what Second Life was like, say, 10 years ago. Or World of Warcraft as an MMRPG. It's not even, it's not even close to what Second Life was 10 it's, years ago. It's no. like, here's our here's our chain, here's our coin, and you can invest in it, and we're going to build something in the future, and it's going to be really cool, and it's going to be in the future, and it's going to be awesome. And we're now worth $100 million, yeah. and we have a and website. Nothing. We're in, yeah, Second Life, right? you could go in there and buy a virtual nothing. property and sell it for $50,000. It's what people were doing. Yeah, Decentraland's got something cool. I mean, they, they definitely have some land, but if you kind of look at the map of Decentraland and you take it and you put it next to, remember in the 90s or maybe 2000s, there was a thing called the Million Dollar yeah, One website. pixel for a dollar or whatever Just it was. Google it. It was a thousand pixels by a thousand pixels and it was a dollar a pixel. the advertising space. And you could buy as many pixels as you want. And make, it was just, it turned out to be a collage of crap. And I feel like we're, we're like Decentraland seems like the million dollar website was decade ago, unless it creates real value, which I don't, you know, maybe it will, maybe it won't, but I don't see it yet. Um, we'll see. We'll see what, what this land has to have. You know, the sandbox is the same thing. You've got sandbox, you've got central land, you've got Boson protocol, you've got all these companies. There's probably, there's probably an NFT company for every word we've said on this. I wouldn't be surprised. Podcast. And there's probably, 10 times that they're just are ready to launch right now. <laughs> and they're all metaphors yeah. experts. Look yeah, at the titles. <laughs> everyone jumps on the bandwagon, right? Um, and then it all blows up in everyone's face. It's going to blow yeah, up. So the NFT, the my <laughs> yes. prediction, I've been yeah. saying this for a few weeks now, uh, in the next three to six months, we're going to see a, a market correction that will take about 90 to 95 to 98% of the value of all the current NFT market and obliterate it. And the original creators, investors, the people that are at the top will take their money off the table. Everybody else will lose their money. And then we now have a basis to start creating real value with NFTs. So we're going to see a market crash of NFTs. And then we're going to see a slow, gradual increase in the real use case of NFTs over the next yeah, it's you know, the same cycle with internet. The glut of just yeah. everyone trying to jump on board and the hype every comes on. And I mean, it goes through the hype cycle, it goes through the trough of disillusionment, yeah. goes through the the plateau of productivity. It, it every technology follows the same mm -hmm. path every time. I see, where we are with NFT, we've seen it four years right ago, now. So basically, yeah, is yeah. exactly where ICOs and ITOs were. Twenty eight. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Four months. years ago, December. <laughs> you can watch it. Yeah, it was December. It was like crazy, and then. January, February, it fell off the cliff. And so yeah. we'll see if that that's, matches. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's going to fall off the cliff next year. We'll that's see. The reality. Yeah. yeah, I will see. But I, I hope I'm wrong. 
when you've got um, NFT selling for uh, 30, 100 ETH, you're thinking, what the hell's going on here? It's a picture on a screen. And yeah. yeah. And I just right click save just, yeah, the, 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 yeah. the use cases of them at the moment <laughs> yeah. are pretty crap. It's just, they're yeah. saying it's art, it's but it's you just, yeah, slapping multiple layers of an image together to make 10,000 versions of the same thing. And then how long now, is that going to survive cool, for? To your point, uh, exactly that. The ones that are auto-generated and stuff, okay, great. You made 10,000 unique pieces of something. What I did see was really cool. There was a women's one and it was uh, art. There was 10,000 pieces of art. Uh, painted uh, real art painted by uh, or designed by women around the world so they had uh, hundreds of designers and the, those art pieces were like one of ones they didn't all look the same they some of them were similar because they were in a, kind of a family group of, of images from one woman but they curated this 10,000 uh, group and I thought that was amazing empowering women to to create you know this art it wasn't just some you know crypto bro in his basement using an AI you know algorithm to generate 5,000 8-bit graphics. It's a bit more unique. Yeah, you can actually see the value in that, yeah. right? So and and then the stuff, people don't realize, the stuff that, that um, uh, Beeple is doing, people don't realize this, but the art that Beeple's making, when you buy it, you don't just get the NFT and you get this thing that you can show off on OpenSea or wherever. You actually get an acrylic frame with LEDs in it and a screen that shows your art. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that. And so that there's okay. you a physical piece of art. I mean, you're paying $10,000 yeah. for a piece of art. You should have yeah. something to show for it. It's, and so that's yeah, what they're doing. And they make really beautiful um, yeah. art pieces. That's cool. So that's some just, yeah, different utility as yeah, opposed to just really having cool. the ability to just generate some royalties from selling it. I think, yeah. Exactly. They're like, oh, well, yeah. if, if I was the buyer of this, features. where would I want yeah. to show it off? I want to show it on my house. I want to have it on my thing and say, oh, mm -hmm. there's my people. Look, yeah. you know, so cool. So in terms of, you mentioned a bit of blockchain in terms of what you're doing. Um, yeah. How do you imagine blockchain coming into the world of metaverse in your your uh, frame? What does it look like for you? Well, we're a creator platform. Is that platform. the mall so, selling the locations? Or yeah, what so we're, like? we're, we're a creator platform. So it depends on the use case. So for example, built into our engine, and this is the partnership we announced last week with Hedera. Um, the idea is that you will be able to, when you hit the publish button uh, to publish to the, inter the internet, uh, you'll have an option. Do you want to mint something, anything? Do you want to mint something in the experience? You can mint uh, one asset or you can mint the whole experience as an NFT. And then you can now, and we host it because an NFT, people don't understand this. An NFT is not the actual object. It's not the hosting of those object. It's nothing. It, all it is is a tag saying you own it and it's tagged to whatever you tag it to. So let's say you buy a, a JPEG piece of art um, and it says you're the owner of it. And or maybe it's a maybe it's a video, let's say, and it's hosted somewhere. Well, if that hosting service goes down, you've lost your video. I don't care if your NFT says you own it, you don't have it. It's not there, it's gone. So the NFT is not the asset. Don't confuse that. The NFT is just a tag saying that you own it. Um, and so what we're doing is we're saying, okay, you built this on the metaverse engine. Now you can tag it with the meta with you know uh, with the NFT, and that tags to the Hedera blockchain, so there's no gas fees and that sort of thing. So instead of tagging it to Ethereum, we're tagging it to Hedera. That's the only difference for us. And the reason why we went with Hedera is because they are an enterprise first organization, even though they're obviously allowing people to do anything they want on it, but we're the same way. We're enterprise first because if we can solve the issues of the enterprise, if we can give them the level of quality that they demand, which is super freaking high, 
It is and, hard. Yeah. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. The, the mm. laundry list of things we had to do to, to go through procurement is, is bonkers. But because we already went through that, we now know our engine is battle tested and ready and can be used by anybody building their solutions on our engine and they will pass technical due diligence in any corporation. And that is, mm. that's why we went with Hedera because they've already done that and we didn't want to have to go through that rigmarole. Yeah. The, that yeah. Just on the Hedera versus yeah. theorem, it's also going to be the cost of getting them into the market as well where well that wasn't it's funny because a year ago when we decided to go with you suppose the, we, we the fees weren't anywhere close to what they are the fees well, weren't that high because ethereum was low right yeah. and so it wasn't that yeah, expensive but now as ethereum goes up your gas prices go up and i mean it just became a a happy coincidence and a happy benefit mm -hmm. but we really didn't uh, it was really only yep. about the environmental and the yeah, enterprises are enterprises. completely that different beast. and if you start going towards government again then it's another level of scrutiny at a, a different level again not just another yeah. level i just spoke at the military training and simulation conference on the military metaverse mm -hmm. two weeks okay. ago and um you know security came up like how do you secure a headset right so maybe for example you're doing training on something like this like the quest or mm -hmm. hololens what they're talking about now is using Li-Fi, Wi-Fi delivered yep. over light, and it only Works in that. like if the light can see it, it, it gets Wi-Fi. If not, like if I put my book here, it, it stops working. It doesn't, yep. you know, it doesn't I walk into the room and take this out. It has no data on it. It's only the data streaming. So yep. you know they're really conscious of security and you know also working with companies that are that are not foreign yep. invested. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies that are invested in like China, let's say, for example. And, you know, China doesn't have a good record with data protection and privacy and things like this. Mm -hmm. So it, we're going to see how that plays yeah. out, I guess. Well, it's a, we're, we're not a U.S. company either. We're a Canadian company. It's so. a very interesting space. Hopefully we've got a good reputation in the world. Oh, you're meant to be the friendly neighbor, so it shouldn't yes. be a problem. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there's always the joke, if America wanted to take over Canada, they just push the border up by 100 miles. <laughs> Everybody lives within 100 miles of the border. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything north of that is too cold. <laughs> too cold, stay away. Exactly. Alan, it's been an absolute pleasure just talking about where you're at, what the metaverse is, and um, how you got here. And I think it's um, yeah, quite an inspiring story for people to think about um, in terms of how they go on the track of adding value. And it's one of the things you mentioned through the, the conversation is... How are we adding value? It's in the end, um, it's not about the dollars. The, dollar, the value will deliver the, the business and the growth and the exponential growth that you're looking to hopefully um, um, see and make a bigger impact in terms of what you're doing. Really appreciate your story, your journey, and coming on and sharing. But love to catch up again next year to see how version two goes, rolls out and uh, discuss that at some Just point. So before really we uh, leave us, so Alan, for anyone listening out there, if they do have an idea and think they can provide value to someone what's one piece of advice you can help them push that forward or move with sure i think you know i would like to just give this broad advice you know the, the world is going to be built by creators the the metaverse the web3 whatever you want to call it it's going to be built by creators and the tools are getting easier and easier and easier every day we're, we're making one set of tools but there's all sorts of tools there's a friend of mine's working on an app right now where you can take your phone you can walk around, take a few pictures of an object, and it'll create a 3D object for you. You can drop into a game engine. So the tools are getting easier and easier every day to, to create. So don't be afraid of it. Start learning how to create now because, you know, the world will be de designed by creators like you. And it, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be a developer or a coder or a programmer. Everybody can participate in this. And, you know, this is really, the future belongs to everybody. And, you know, the more people that can create, 
the more it will be created in the ways we want it to be and not just created by a bunch of big corporations that that see, you know, this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, big corporations didn't start big. They all start small. And so there's a lot of opportunity in the next decade. More <laughs> To put it, to quote um, Peter Diamandis, more wealth will be created in the next 10 years than all of previous human history. Actually, if you look back 24 months, more money was printed in the last 24 yes. months than all of human history. So his predictions already come true, but it, it is crazy that we're going into exponential growth and all these tools are getting easier and easier. So don't be afraid to, to pick up the tool to learn it and learn now because as you start to make you know mistakes and learn, you're going to be way ahead of the game. There's, there's not many people playing in this game right now. It seems like there's a lot, but there's not. So get involved. The world needs more creators like you. Perfect. Brilliant. Thanks for sharing. Oh, and you can go to metaverse.com. M-E-T-A-V-R-S-E.com. Metaverse.com. And you can check us out. You can sign up for a free account at engine.metaverse.com. And the mall will be out soon. Yeah, we'll Very put exciting. all those links out with the notes and wherever we post it on socials to get everyone towards you, Alan. Amazing. Thank you, guys. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. And uh, thank you so much for this amazing opportunity to share. And I, I hope to see you guys soon in the yeah, We'll definitely check it out. Yep. Make a virtual office at the minimum. <laughs> Thanks, Al. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> thank you. Cheers, Al.